Forget about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. And welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. And we are here to talk baseball for 2020. Baseball back as we uh, get ready for an exciting 60-game sprint to the finish line and see where that finish line leads us. Uh, But as we uh, get together here today, we'll be talking about uh, first looking back. We're going to look at our greatest of all time series, looking at third baseman. Uh, We will also feature an interview from uh, back in the day with Eric Chavez talking about what it takes to be a gold glove defender at the hot corner, Uh, as well as we'll be taking a look at the uh, updated COVID list as we have gotten into uh, spring training round two, summer camp, however you'd like to call it. Uh, For those who have confirmed cases as we try to navigate towards an opening on July 23rd and July 24th. As always, we are brought to you by River Creek Popcorn. Uh, For all of your snacking needs for movies, baseball, games of choice, uh, come hungry, leave happy. Uh, Corey, it was a a warm one, but a a good holiday weekend for you guys out at the popcorn wagon, huh? It was extremely warm. The humidity is amped up in Wisconsin. Got to remind you of growing up in Florida, but uh, without the big storms in the afternoon, right? Uh, pretty much, you know, you could always count on that uh, three, three thirty, uh, about a five minute uh, shower that just made things uh, sweltering from the uh, the asphalt on up. Uh, it was uh, always an interesting time summer in, in Florida, but this has felt more like it. The uh, humidity is up here in the Midwest, uh, and uh, temperatures are definitely up. It is definitely summer here. We're hitting uh, ninety degrees or consistently. Uh, yeah. I always have to admit it. I was a little worried when you texted me last night. Your AC was out that we were going to come record today, and I was going to swelter and die in here. So I'm well, glad that you got it fixed. This room already is the the warmest room in the house, mm-hmm. uh, and and so uh, uh, there was uh, uh, some concerns about it. Was able to. I, I hate heat at night. I need things cooler <laughs> to be able to sleep. That's just the way I uh, mm-hmm. for, for myself. I still have that Florida sun caked in my veins, and uh, uh, so I like things cool. But luckily, AC is back uh, running very nice, and. Uh, very thankful for comfortable temperatures. The blessings of, of modern uh, uh, conveniences. Yes. Who doesn't want to? There's a reason God invented AC or God helped us get AC because people are not meant to sleep in 90 degree temperatures. I, I agree with that one. Thank you, Mr. Carrier. Uh, <laughs> so uh, with that, we will uh, kick off our at least update on uh, current events. Uh, we're going to talk about the updated COVID list as players have started to come into spring training as things have kicked off. Uh, testing has been done. At least for most teams, uh, there has been some blunders along the way. Washington Nationals, Oakland Athletics having issues where I think someone didn't even show. They were supposed to have someone show for uh, uh, to run the the test. No one came. Uh, So there's been some things in in disarray. Uh, But in addition to that, because they they actually shut down uh, Mm -hmm. uh, their camp until they could actually get the testing done. So the Nationals, right? It was the the Nationals Nationals that shut down. Yep. And so I think maybe by the end of today, that'll already be covered. But I know that's, again, part of the, this is to be expected. Honestly, we've never been through a pandemic like this. We're trying to figure this out and try to get things back started. And uh, 
nothing about the way this has been handled has been run efficiently. No, uh, so, so we are definitely dealing with some of those additional hiccups as we get started. But as test results have come in, there have also been challenges of, well, what can teams say with HIPAA laws? And uh, what do uh, the players union has been very strong in saying, we don't want you saying anything about it. But then reporters are saying, we noticed some guys aren't here. And we can tell by the way your non-answer is that there's stuff going on. How do we report this? And so, again, we're all going through unprecedented circumstances. But what has been confirmed, uh, here's a list of players already. And you will notice a lot of big-name players uh, on this list. Charlie Blackman, Freddie Freeman, Miguel Sano, Tommy Pham, Scott Kingery, G.J. Lemieux, Salvador Perez, Galeno DeShields, uh, Aaron Nola, Carlos Martinez, uh, Galvano Gallegos, Will Smith. Uh, these are all-stars. These are big uh, off-season acquisitions. These are uh, centerpiece and your frontline players. Uh, and again, what we don't know with this is how long of a time is this going to cut them out? Is this going to be just a challenge at the beginning of the year since they're going to lose uh, most of their spring training? What's the long-term effects for an athlete who had COVID and recovered? Because, again, we're talking respiratory. Mm -hmm. uh, you kind of need that for a lot of things, but especially for athletes. What's the lingering effect of this from uh, playing at a, a performance level? So there's a lot of things that we still don't know in, in that capacity, let alone, first and foremost, just wanting guys to be safe and healthy. Uh, so wishing for speedy recoveries for anyone who is experiencing any uh, symptoms from this uh, uh, from COVID, uh, and not just those that are out because of testing positive, but we do have some players, as we anticipated, that are not uh, playing this year out Their of choice. concerns for, for, for health. And a couple of big names came through with that. Most recently, uh, David Price uh, is opting out. Uh, he was the one very generous with the uh, minor league players uh, for not having uh, salary things, uh, issues with them. For a team uh, he's never even played for. He for, doesn't yeah. know any of those. Yes. He's just got traded this offseason to yes. give him all that money. Yeah, it's David Price opting out for the safety of his family and his choice, right? Absolutely. And you know a couple other names on that uh the Braves, I was talking up the Braves last week. They're one of my team. You have mentioned Freddie Freeman. He is, I mentioned last week, he is one of my favorite players, and he's got coronavirus, and it has hit him hard. His wife said, like, a ton of bricks. So a few players on the Braves said, we're going to opt out. Felix Hernandez, Nick Marcakis, those were going to be centerpieces, one of them in the lineup and one of them probably at the back end of the rotation. Ian Desmond of the Rockies. We mentioned Mike Leake, Ryan Zimmerman, and Joe Ross. Wellington Castillo of the Nationals. So that's three Nationals players that were expected to at least be on the team. So that's the team that we also met, said they should probably win that NL East and not if you lose a lot of players. And another player that's at least going to be out for the first part of the season is uh, Zach Wheeler, the big ticket uh, free agent signing, uh, who uh, has a, his wife is, is expecting, is due early in the season and wanting to be there for that within uh, COVID restrictions. So he'll be... He's intending to play this year. It's just a matter of when does this all uh, take place. So a lot of these uh, moving parts, and I'm sure this is not the last we are going to hear of names and, and players who are either testing positive or deciding, you know what, I think I would rather stay uh, opt out and stay home due to family concerns. 
So we'll keep you posted on that as time moves on, but we are going to take a step back as we continue our greatest of all time series, our GOAT series, as we look at third baseman and give you our starting nine for the greatest third baseman of all time. Uh, feel free to... Uh, uh, Put together your own list and see how it compares. If there's any that uh, you would like to uh, challenge us on, feel free to... Uh, I was talking to a listener this weekend at the Popcorn Wagon who told me he tries to guess our nine every week before we announce them. So. There we go. We'll see. This one, uh, we mentioned briefly uh, uh, off-air that uh, eight of the nine are just about locks. Yeah. And really, you can't think of anyone else that you would interject interject in between it. Uh, this was an easier list to put together. Now, of course, there's always going to be debate on the where order, they're in the, the order. In the, right? Absolutely. Uh, but uh, it was fun putting together this list because everyone that we were looking at was well-deserving of that uh, uh, designation. Uh, and as we do, as always, we're not only looking at the, the starting nine, but we're going to look at those that uh, in that just-missed category of players who, and usually it's because of health. Uh, usually that's what drops things off. They have an excellent first half of career, an excellent first eight years in the majors, uh, and then injuries or performance tapers off. And for me, that would be my uh, uh, my favorite player uh, for my uh, team down in Florida when he was with them, Evan Longoria, definitely was uh, having a trajectory that was at that level. Uh, but again, the hardest part about uh, being a Hall of Famer or being part of any sort of uh, top nine, top ten list, it's the longevity. Uh, and unfortunately for him from, uh, is it plantar fasciitis? Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, Same thing it, that Albert Pujols that we uh, talked yep, about. It, yep. it makes it really hard to hit when you can't put pressure on your foot. And think of defense at third base uh, with that. That just uh, kills things as well. Uh, Scott Rowland is another uh, more modern uh, player uh, who was just retired uh, not that long ago. I just had him up here. Although he was going to be mine, so I just had him up here. He retired in 2012. From the He's played for three teams, the Phillies, the Cardinals, and the Reds. I have to get used to uh, the idea that my not long ago, ago is uh, ago, it's man. growing on me. Right. It's growing on me. Things that I think were yesterday was 10 years ago. Toronto. Oh, man. I do not remember a Toronto stint. I remember the other stint. I do not remember a Toronto stint for him. But. I think it was a trading deadline type of thing, if I'm Must remembering right. Hmm. Yeah, Scott Rowland. Uh, the defense is the kind of the calling card there, right? Yep. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight gold glove awards. Uh, in 17 years, so almost half his career, he's bringing in gold gloves. The one that I wanted to mention is just missed is a long time ago. So if Scott Rowland just retires, let's talk home run Baker. Long, long time ago, 1908 to 1922. Three times he leads the league in home runs with 11, 10, and 12. And he leads the league in RBIs a few of those years. One of those years, he actually has 40 doubles, 21 triples, and 10 home runs. The 21 triples that's is impressive. A, that's an impressive number of triples. So he's with the Phillies, and he actually goes to the Yankees and – He's pre-murderer's roll lineup, 1916 to 1919, but home run Baker in the Hall of Fame for a reason. Puts up 62 war for his career, bats over 300, but just not quite good enough to make my list. Well, let's take a look at our starting nine, and what we can at least say out of the gate is is our number nine, uh, where we have our only difference in terms of on our list. Uh, we'll see where we are in ranking in the order, uh, but for number nine is where you and I have... Uh, a different name, and I'll be honest, I, I wasn't even thinking of the name that you're going to say 
for a few reasons that we'll talk about, but after hearing it, uh, you're almost making me question mm-hmm. my, my number nine. Not that uh, who I've picked isn't isn't worthy of it, so you're... why don't I start? Okay. Uh, and that's with uh, Ron Santo, uh, a, a player who unfortunately didn't get that opportunity to get the Hall of Fame call while he was still alive. Uh, the Veterans Committee eventually uh, elected him into the Hall of Fame, uh, had uh, wonderful numbers, nine all-star appearances, five gold gloves. Uh, some things that people didn't necessarily realize as a guy who was a little bit underrated during his career, he's ninth all-time uh, among third basemen and wins above replacement, sixth in offensive wins above replacement. Uh, so again, if you if I have him ranked ninth, well, according to at least that advanced stat, he's right where mm-hmm. he should be a career 277 batting average, 362 on base percentage, and 464 slugging percentage. Uh, an excellent uh, uh, player in his uh, own right. I remember him more for his uh, broadcasting days with the Cubs more than I do his playing days, obviously. Uh, but uh, here's he's what I'll my say number nine. Ron, here's what I'll say about Ron Santo is we brought this up with Ernie Banks last week. Those are the 1960s, 1970s Cubs, and it's the fact that 14 years with the Cubs and not one postseason game. And that causes some of Ernie Banks gets the fame because of the home runs. Probably Ron Santo doesn't have that many. And because of that, he, he gets not forgotten, but it's holds him back from being considered one of the true superstars of the game. I would say. Correct. My number nine, this is the first player we've talked about. Who's prime of his career active and going. We talked about Pujols. We talked about Cabrera. They are not in the prime of their career. They, they had their prime, and it was amazing, but they are winding it down. I put Nolan Arenado as my ninth best third baseman of all time. It's definitely projecting continued success, but it's a projection I'm willing to make based off of what I saw, and it's sad that we're missing out on a full 160 games out of him because he's played seven seasons so far in Colorado. He has seven gold gloves, including the first and only NL rookie to win that award. He's been an all-star the last five seasons. He has four silver sluggers in seven seasons. And he's already got four seasons of five plus war out of seven. He's the only third baseman in history with five consecutive seasons of 30 home runs and 100 RBIs. He's got the most extra base hits in one season by a third baseman. 2015, he had 43 doubles, four triples, and 42 home runs. That is an incredible year. Now, he's consistently in the trade rumors. We've heard it for years. He signed through 2026. If he stays in Colorado that long, the numbers are going to be there. Now, if you look at the home and road splits, they are very real. He is phenomenally good. He is incredibly phenomenally good at Colorado. But it, it shouldn't hold him back from being considered one of the top nine all-player time players. It's no different than someone who has performed better at the at either the old or new Yankee Stadium right. or at Fenway Park. Uh, there's plenty of uh, offensive-friendly uh, ballparks that are out there, but for some reason, Colorado gets more of a, a knock against it than the others do. Uh, Nolan Arenado, uh, he's averaged 40 home runs in each of the past five years. Uh, he has led the league in home runs uh, three of those five years. He has finished no further than eighth in MVP voting in the past five years. Uh, He has been an incredible uh, player uh, up to this point. He is entering his age 29 season. Uh, And again, when you see someone who's been that good for the past five years, you hate for him to lose a full season like happening of his prime exactly uh, during this time. Uh, So hopefully he at least comes out uh, swinging out of the gate. 
Uh, but this is the first projection pick that I also would feel comfortable with uh, because you take a look at the, the third basemen that are on the list and you think of the what are their stats, what are their numbers that they uh, can put up there on their resume. And he's already starting to surpass when it comes to gold gloves, uh, when it comes to uh, uh, all-star appearances for, for some. When we get higher up on that list, he's not there yet. He needs the second half of his nope. career. Uh, but comfortably placing him ninth overall, knowing that he's not going to completely drop off here, at least at, unless some sort of injury happens with things, which we know can happen. Uh, but you feel pretty comfortable with this projection pick uh, because his numbers already are at a, a very good level. You could make the case that if he would retire today, he still could be number nine on anyone's list without another season or anything else taking place. It would be like... Thurman Munson, I believe I brought him up with catcher. Right? Yeah. He unfortunately yep. died early, but you know the, the numbers were there for the career that he had. And if Nolan Arenado had a massive injury, which Lord forbid it happens, his numbers are incredible for what he's done so far. And yeah, I, I feel confident that he was my number nine. I don't feel bad about putting him there. It's just an unbelievable stat to me that from his very first inning in, uh, in, in baseball, he's been the best defensive third baseman. Oh, it's it's so like poetry seven, in like, motion over there. From rookie year to present day, every single year he has won a gold glove. Uh, and that's going to uh, shift into, uh, there's one more player that I didn't mention as part of my just missed uh, that fits very well here. If we're talking about uh, someone who can handle a glove uh, at the hot corner, uh, former uh, Oakland Athletic Eric Chavez uh, is another player that's kind of a a. I hope not a warning sign. I, ho- I hope that the Nolan Arenado has the has the health to keep going, because from uh, Eric Chavez came up at age 21, and from his age 21 to age 28 season, he had six Gold Gloves. Uh, his offensive numbers were very good. Uh, he was a uh, a player that uh, excellent for the first uh, seven years of his career, but then the last eight years of his career. He averaged less than 80 games a season. His back uh, is what gave out on him. But during that prime, he was one of the best third basemen in the league. And so I had the opportunity to uh, interview him uh, and ask his uh, thoughts on what it takes to be uh, a gold glove caliber defender at third base. And here's what he had to say. Why is third base referred to as the hot corner? Uh, I think because it's closest to the hitter, and usually there's a lot of hard balls hit down to the third. Because of the close proximity, how do you then prepare mentally and defensively for the position? Well, since it's such a reaction position, I don't, I don't really know if you can mentally prepare yourself, and then it's balls his hands and quick reaction and hopefully you know for me the most important thing at third base is your first move and the first move is all you got and it's either right or wrong what makes a good third baseman what kind of what i just said actually when i when i talk to young third basemen and you know around the league and i tell them you know the most important thing is your first move whether it's back whether it's forward to the left to the right once you make a decision, you stick with it. Yeah, at other positions in the infield, you can kind of, you know, adjust to the ball or, you know, go back and then see you got to come up. But at third base, it's just reaction. And your first move is so important. That's usually, you know, that's the best advice I can give. What does it mean to you to be a gold glove winner? Um, it's, it's pretty important. Uh, there's, 
you know, so I've worked pretty hard at becoming a good third baseman, so it's just nice to see that the hard work has paid off, and, you know, they said that I couldn't play defense when I first came here, and I think it's kind of ironic that I won four goals, so it just tells you that I put in a lot of hard work, and it didn't come easy to me, and, you know, kind of paid off, yeah. That was Eric Chavez, former third baseman of the Oakland Athletics. Uh, I mentioned that uh, age 21 to 28 season. Well, just to get a little more specific, uh, from 2001 through 2005, uh, for a five-year stretch, he averaged five uh, wins above replacement every season. Uh, Defensive contribution, offensive contribution. Uh, He was everything that you'd be looking for out of a third baseman. And there's something that Oakland just seems to be so good at uh, is finding good Third base, and we're going to talk about uh, later on in the week. uh, We'll talk about Josh Donaldson as uh, from there, as well as now who they have over at the hot corner uh, for their team uh, this year. They've they've continued to produce a very good third baseman, Matt Chapman. The uh, A's theory is that Eric Chavez is prime Moneyball time, which is essentially people read saw the movie with Brad Pitt, and some people have read the book. Did you read the book? I still haven't. It's on my list. I've read the book, and people think that it's all about drawing walks and not striking out, and it's really just more about finding what other teams undervalue versus what is overvalued. So Eric Chavez hits 30 home runs some of those years, and so it was considered, you know, don't sign your sluggers to big deals. And he was a slugger, but the defense is what they valued in Eric Chavez. So, yes, they absolutely valued on-base players then, and it's all about finding what other teams don't want to overpay for and taking advantage of that. And Oakland is another team. You, you talked about the Rays last week, how they find a way to win. Oakland has found a way to win with their, they have transitioned throughout the years and keep being a st- uh, consistently good team. It, Moneyball has definitely changed the way that people approach and think about baseball today. Anyone who's who's watched it or watched that team during that era when they went on the the streak, uh, my uh, uh, former friend uh, uh, Corey Lytle was a part of that Moneyball team. Uh, he was uh, one of the pitchers who he won uh, AL Pitcher of the Month during that stretch. He was six and zero, had an ERA of under one. Uh, his I forget how many innings it was a shutout streak right. that he had going. He pitched a couple of back to back two hit shutouts, <laughs> uh, complete games nice. uh, during that uh, stretch was which was neat to uh, uh, to see. But this was a, a a pivotal a pivotal turning point uh, in how people approach baseball. Uh, wins above replacement, WRC mm-hmm. plus, uh, field uh, independent pitching. Uh, all these advanced stats have come out of this era, and Oakland is one example. The Rays are the other that were the teams that were out in front of trying, sabermetrics, of, of trying to find a way, how can we better evaluate, uh, how can we better measure the value of a player uh, and, and a way of trying to target players who like, okay, they didn't fit the, the standard, but with this different valuation, he has more value than what he's being given credit for. We can utilize that here. A, we also don't have to pay for that mm-hmm. the way you would on the free agent market. So it's a way of going against the grain and finding a player that uh, can fit and help your team succeed. And uh, Eric Chavez was right in the middle of that with the Moneyball heir of the Oakland A's. 
And we still see that uh, continuing on today as, as Billy Bean continues to work his magic. Yes, he does. Uh, and uh, along with the other small market team with the Tampa Bay Rays. So uh, it was nice to, to talk to Eric Chavez, hear more about that gold glove defense. That's really what, what teams, not just the A's, value at third base is if you can have a guy that's gold glove caliber. Uh, that's what everyone is looking for. And it, you know, when you're sitting in the, uh, in your, recliner and you're watching a game uh, it's hard to appreciate what goes or what takes place at third base there's it's almost so close. no yeah it's so close no reaction time like you said you you have to have a great first step yeah. that's what it takes to be an excellent third baseman your first step and, and that reaction to it uh, and that is not the easiest thing uh, uh, to do so uh, I again, have a I have a third baseman at my number yeah. eight who's got some gold gloves. Yeah, have at her. I'll take, I'll take eight here. My eight is Adrian Beltre, so it seems like I'm just taking these recent players. My number eight is Adrian Beltre. Uh, I'm not sure there was anybody who loved playing this game more recently. You watched him. He was kidding around out there, smiling. Everybody loved him. So he's sp- solid if unspectacular for most of his Dodgers career until 2004 when he just has an incredible season and finishes second to MVP voting to Barry Bonds. And that is his last season in Los Angeles. He was a free agent. So he signs a, a free agent deal with Seattle. And he's solid if unspectacular there again, winning a couple of gold gloves the first two. He probably deserved a few more with the Dodgers, but Scott Rowland was playing. So his defense was never a question. And then he has a spectacular one season in Boston. He gets taken. He's traded to Boston where he takes advantage of the green monster to lead the league in doubles. And at the age of 31, his first time in all-star, and he wins a silver slugger. So then he goes eight seasons in Texas where – He's like fine wine, getting better with age because now he is spectacular. Three-time All-Star, two more Silver Sluggers, three more Gold Gloves. He gets better with age, and it's not a hint of steroids in there. No one ever accused Adrian Beltre of doing steroids. When it's all said and done, it adds up to 3,166 hits, including 1,151 extra base hits, positive war, all 21 seasons, six seasons of five-plus war, and that season, that last season with Los Angeles, a 9.7. That's really high. He's also my number eight. Uh, we're in agreement here. You have the four all-stars, which seems low. Uh, it does. It really uh, does. It, it, when you look back at it, just wasn't given enough credit individually at the time, but over the course of a 21-year career, mm-hmm. his talent shines through five gold gloves, uh, over 3,000 career hits. That's always the... The, you can punch your ticket to the Hall mm-hmm. of Fame uh, when you reach that level, and he's just under 500 home runs. Uh, again, another one of those where if there would have been a, one more full year, it uh, would have been interesting uh, to see. He had 15. There was 15 his last year, and he only needed mm-hmm. 23 more. So could have got there. It would have been nice for him. But like you said, it, it doesn't matter. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, he retired in 2018, so he'll be eligible in 2023. The first ballot looks I, – I could very easily see the first ballot working out for him. Agreed with the 3,000 hits. That should pretty much uh, lock him in right away. So if you're already, if we're, if we're solid at number eight, I'll move to seven. I better. Okay, I'll take I'll take number seven. My number seven is Paul Molitor. Uh, obviously, we're in Wisconsin here, so he's one of the two most famous Wisconsin players, and Robin Yount was brought up last week. He also, just like Yount, plays a lot of versatile playing. He plays every position at some point in his career but catcher, but I'm putting him at third because that's where he plays the most games other than, I guess he DHs the most, but we're putting him at third here. Third overall pick in 1977, earns the nickname the Igniter after leading the league in runs in with 136 in the Brewers World Series run of 1982, where he hits 
340 in the World Series. Unfortunately, they lose to the Cardinals. Uh, 1987, he's famous for the 39-game hitting streak. He actually gets hurt that year, only plays 118 games, but still in 118 games leads the league in runs, doubles, because he hits 353. And breaking my father's heart, he leaves and goes to Toronto in 1992 and leads the league in hitting again, winning the World Series and the World Series MVP. He hits 500 that postseason, so it gets better in that World Series with two home runs, eight RBIs, and 10 runs scored, tying the World Series record. And then he goes to Minnesota, where at the ripe old age of 40, he bats 341 with 113 RBIs and leads the league in hits, becoming the first 40-year-old to do that in over 70 years. Paul Molitor is also my number seven. We're on a roll Uh, here. We are on the same wavelength. We got that ESPN going on. (laughs) Uh, This is someone who ranks 10th all time in any position in hitting, in hits, uh, with over 3,300 hits. Uh, ranks in, in the top 10 uh, from all the different things that you've already described. His batting eye was uh, incredible. Uh, and uh, Ted Williams once praised Molitor's swing he as being hit. the closest thing he has seen uh, since Joe DiMaggio. Mm. Uh, for his swing being as close as he's ever seen to uh, Jolton Joe. Uh, and which makes sense when you think of the, the 39 hit streak, 56 for, for Joe. Uh, and and. It, Coming from Ted Williams, that's high praise. I think Ted Williams and Joe DiMaggio are coming up very soon in our GOAT discussions. I got one more on Paul Molitor. When he retires, one of three players with more than 3,000 hits, 600 doubles, and 500 steals. When the other two are Ty Cobb and Hannes Wagner, uh, you did something right. Only player in the post-integration era uh, to accomplish that uh, during Th- That is time. incredible. When you have when you're hitting, and yet you're hitting it with power. So maybe not home runs, but doubles, right? You're, you're getting that slugging percentage up there, total bases, and... Stealing the ball, speed. He, he was an incredible player. Absolutely. He was your seven, you said? He was my seven so as well. If we keep going, then I'll just keep going with this. I'm on number six then. My number six, another recent player, Chipper Jones. Postseason appearances. It all starts with the postseason. 12 straight years. He only gets the one World Series, which is still mind-boggling to me considering there are four Hall of Fame players on that, three pitchers and him. I believe so. He hits in all of them. He hits well in the career. 287 in the postseason. Incredible athlete. Football scholarships to USC and Florida, but first pick overall in 1972, or sorry, not 1972, 1992 by Atlanta and uh, plays for them. At the end of it all, 19 years in the big leagues, all with the Braves, 2,700 hits, 40, 468 home runs, more walks than strikeouts, and the most RBI ever from a third baseman. 10 seasons, he bats over 300. Eight All-Star games, one MVP, and eight seasons over a five-war. That is my number six. What I what I didn't remember about Chipper Jones was you knew his uh, his consistency. Uh, you can call him Mister Consistency with the way that he has uh, approached his career. Fourteen consecutive seasons of twenty home runs or more. Uh, but what I didn't know about Chipper Jones was the batting title. Uh, he won the National League batting title in '08. Age of 36, once again, yeah. another guy. Not These are not, like, peaking in the primes of their career. These are a little older, so that's, yeah, I did not re- recognize that. He also led the league in non-base percentage that year, too. For me, at uh, number six here, I have uh, uh, Eddie Matthews. Uh, I have him with uh, 12 All-Star appearances. He hit three oh two with 47 home runs in his age 21 season. Uh, when you're breaking into the, the majors and that's what you do, you kind of set the bar almost too high. Uh, but from uh, 
1953 to 1955, uh, he batted 294, uh, 414 on base percentage, 611 slugging percentage, averaged 43 home runs, 112 RBI, and 107 walks uh, in the season. Uh, a different a trivia fact for you on Eddie Matthews is he was the first player to grace the cover of Sports Illustrated. Um, so that the, one. I had that one. He, he's yeah, coming up go. higher on mine. Uh, Eddie Matthews, I actually had him really high, and then I just couldn't keep him. I rearranged my numbers a lot. So all you need to know about Eddie Matthews is he combines with Hank Aaron to have more home runs than Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. So if you're can put if you above Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig in something, you're probably doing something right. Yeah, he, he was a player who uh, I had a hard time placing uh, within. I could see him easily farther up on the list. Uh, this is the lowest I could see him going on a uh, on a list. He was the uh, he was the guy who was Mr. Brave before uh, Hank Aaron uh, came onto the scene, uh, and uh, an incredible uh, uh, athlete uh, had the massive power, uh, and uh, yeah, this was a a hard list on on where to uh, to place him to say the least. My number five is someone we've talked about one more one time. I believe it was last week when we were talking about Derek Jeter because you've seen him. My number five is Wade Boggs, who ended his 18-year career with 3,010 hits, a 328 average, and a 415 on base percentage. This one is incredible. 2,432 career games. He reaches base safely in 85% of them. So it doesn't hit in every one of them, but with between the hitting and the walks, he is on base in 85% of those games. He hit over 314 of his first 15 seasons in the league. Led the AL in batting average and on-base percentage in 83, 85, 86, 87, and 88. Not just batting average, on-base percentage too. So 1,412 walks to only 745 strikeouts. That's almost that's incredible. That is almost double. That is, that's a two-to-one ratio. That's phenomenal. I talked about Chipper Jones, and his was like 12 or like barely 100 more walks than strikeouts. But Wade Boggs just did not strike out for as much as he walked. 12 straight All-Star games, two-time Gold Glove winner. Did get a World Series win in 96 with the Yankees. Eight seasons of five-plus war. All those were with Boston, but he was even productive into his Devil Raid days. He was. Uh, even as a, a player in his, in his uh, I think it was his age 40 season, he was uh, uh, with them. I'm not remembering the age real well, but I know that the, the chase for 3,000 was there. You're as right. a Tampa Bay Devil Rays fan at the time, that was the only positive uh, that you were uh, looking forward to, and I think I mentioned it before that I had tickets uh, that entire weekend, had everything lined up. So this way, on one of those three games, you knew he was going to hit one somewhere in there because he was hanging at that 2,999, and you're just waiting for that 3,000th hit. And at the time, he was the first player to get that 3,000th hit on a home run. Derek Jeter decided to match that also connected with the Rays because it happened against the Rays when Derek Jeter got his 3,000th hit on a home run. That's pretty cool. He was 41 that year, and he still yeah. hit 301. Now, he only got up 332 four times, but 301. So, hitter's hit, and Wade Boggs is a hitter. Probably the one that I remember the best. Well, I remember Tony Gwynn a little bit in my time, too. So, I'll talk about him someday, I'm sure. I'll talk about Wade Boggs uh, in just a little bit, but for me, this is where I uh, place Chipper Jones. Uh, again, as we've already mentioned about him, the uh, eight-time All-Star, MVP, Nas uh, National League batting title in 08, 14 consecutive seasons of 20 or more home runs. He was Mr. Consistency, uh, uh, and I think sometimes you get recency bias with him. I'm comfortable putting him a little higher up on this uh, on this list. 
but that's uh, for me at uh, at five is uh, Chipper Jones. Fourteen consecutive seasons over twenty. I didn't realize that until you said that. But yeah, now I looked yeah. at it. Yeah, that's that is consistent. When you can go four, that's a lifetime of and uh, twenty home runs or more. That's great. My number four is Brooks Robinson. Nobody's brought him up yet. So Brooks Robinson. I had Brooks Robinson higher and. I had to move him down a little bit just because he got bumped down by some others. Brooke Robinson, the human vacuum cleaner. The offense, serviceable. The defense is legendary. It is still, when I think of Brooks Robinson, when you think of third base, the hot corner, it's Brooks Robinson. 23 years, all with Baltimore. 18 All-Stars, including 16 consecutive gold gloves. 16 consecutive. So we're talking about Nolan Arenado starting his career with seven. He needs to double that before he's even in Brooks Robinson's discussion. Absolutely. Six postseasons, including four pennants and two World Series wins. He gets the MVP in 1964 of the American League. He plays 39 postseason games with a 303 average, five home runs, and 22 RBIs. So he played at his best when they needed him. Most games ever at third base, he does not move off the position because when you play defense like that, you just don't move off the position. So 2,870 games there. Seven seasons of five-plus war. And he does that with some negative offensive seasons because – we talked about with shortstop. You can bring up your war. I think it was Ozzie Smith who I brought mm-hmm. it up with. You're getting the ball a lot at short and third. And at third base, if you have the defensive ability that Brooks Robinson did, you can sustain a high war even without being a phenomenal offensive player. He is someone who, we mentioned MVP. He's won every single type of MVP. Mm-hmm. Uh, do they award one for spring training? Because that's the only one that I don't know that he has I'm sure received. he was able to play defense uh, there, so he was probably <laughs> in running. One uh, during the regular season was an all-star MVP, World Series MVP. Uh, one other, uh, well, well, first, the, the all-time leader at third base in value generated by defense, uh, by a defensive uh, wins above replacement. Uh, we also have uh, one other interesting stat is he drove in the only run in a one nothing game, an MLB record 10 times. So Really? That's pretty one, cool. Yeah, that one I didn't find. That's awesome. I found a couple of those obscure stats for, for this week, so I, I came prepared. Uh, for me, uh, who I had next was uh, was Wade Boggs. Okay. Uh, and again, as we've mentioned so much about him, the uh, 12-time All-Star, two gold, two gold gloves. Uh, his defense obviously wasn't as, as great as his batting eye, but it wasn't no slouch uh, <laughs> either. A career 328 hitter. That's amazing in modern era baseball That's to amazing. be a career near 330 hitter. Five batting titles. Uh, he hit 350 or better five times in his career. Only Tony Gwynn has more. Uh, so we talked about those guys are kind of intertwined when you think of uh, elite batting eyes. What's even more interesting to me about him is that he didn't reach the majors until his age 24 season. He was a oh, later yeah, guy. Right. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so uh, here's someone who uh, made up for lost time uh, and definitely got into uh, – to still get 3,000 hits. That, that's the incredible thing. You'd think as great of a hitter as he was, why was it such a struggle to get to 3,000 at age 41? Well, it's because he didn't the start. Walk. It didn't start until 24, walks. and he's walking all Absolutely. that many times. I mean, he has years in here where he has 125 walks. Those are not plate appearances, right? So, And that's normally reserved for your, your home run hitters. Uh, it just says how incredible his batting eye uh, is. Uh, with that as, as well. So, yeah, Wade Boggs is, my, is mine at four. 1988, sorry, I just want to go back to Wade Boggs here because I was looking at this again. 1988, he leads the league in runs, doubles, walks, batting average, and grounded into double plays. And he gets intentionally walked all the time. Not, 
six straight years he leads the league in intentional walks. So people knew not to pitch to him. Uh, he's your number four? My number four. So I'm at number three, and you mentioned Eddie Matthews. Eddie Matthews is my number three. And you mentioned he's Mr. Brave, the only Brave to make it through Boston, Milwaukee, and into Atlanta. Yes. He gets through all three of them. World Series against the Yankees in 57 and 58 and brings one home in 1957. When it's all said and done, he finishes with 512 home runs, nine straight years over 30, and his 47 in 1953 established the single-season record for third baseman that would last till uh, Mike Schmidt in 30 years, who I'm sure we're both going to mention here shortly. Here's one for you. So yours was... Wade Boggs gets his 3,000th hit uh, as a home run. Here's one for you. Eddie Matthews, the only player to reach 500 home runs against a Hall of Fame pitcher, Juan Marichal. Nice. See, I got, I got stats. Yeah, we're, we're ready today. I know, I know. Uh, when he retires, he leads the league in assists, chances. His is also on almost one walk to strikeout. So we talked about Wade Boggs doubling it up. For Eddie Matthews, who's a big-time power hitter, 500-plus home runs, 1,444 walks, 1,487 strikeouts. That's pretty good when you're hitting that many home runs. 12 seasons of five plus four. And that's who you have at number three? That's my number three. For me, that's uh, here's where I have uh, Brooks Robinson. Uh, and again, we've we've mentioned the, the, the big stats, 18 All-Stars, uh, All-Star season, 16 gold gloves, an MVP in, in pretty much every category possible. Uh, just an, an incredible uh, player as well. And so that's who I have at number three. So that means that we have the same two and one, and they're always going to be linked together. They are taking one pick after each other in 1971 in the second round. So I'm interested to see if we have them the same. I will, I will say my number two. My number two is George Brett. We are in agreement. Are we? Okay. So George Brett, one of the four players who, four brothers, and they all play pro ball. So something was going right there. Um, first year he comes up, he hits 282. That is the lowest, 282, the lowest batting average he has for his first 18 seasons, 1980s, the AL MVP, the only one he wins. That year, he makes a run at 400, and a late slump drops him all the way down to 390. Seven postseason appearances, a World Series in 1985, where he is incredible. He's really incredible. His whole postseason career, 337 average, 10 home runs in only 43 games. I'll let you take some for a while. Well, Here's a guy who is only one of four players to rack up 3,000 hits, 300 home runs, and a 300 career batting average. The other three can go by their first names, like Hank, Willie, and Stan. And when you go by your first name, yep. you know you're in good company there. I had that one too. 21 seasons all with Kansas City, 13 straight all-star games. He only gets one gold glove, which I thought surprising because I think of him as a pretty good defender. But Now, now the, the, the best one we have to point out there is it, is it his right arm or his left hook? Uh, because the pine tar the, incident, one of the most legendary. When you look at uh, clips of, of baseball, or they show, uh, especially most legendary brawls in uh, MLB history. So Not only is he uh, one of the best third basemen of all time, but he's always in one of the most iconic moments of all time. Do you want to give a little background to that one? He hits a home run, I believe. I was this is before me, so he hits a home run and trots the base bats and drops the bat like you're expected to, and. Did the umpire pick it up, or did the catcher hand it to him? That's I don't know that. So that's what I was trying to uh, uh, to remember. I'm assuming the umpire picked it up and examined the bat, and the pine tar was too far up the bat shaft, I would assume. And uh, that is a violation, so he essentially eliminated the home run, and George Brett comes storming out of the dugout because he was a fiery competitor and lets his feelings be known. Yeah, uh, a fiery uh, 
uh, disposition for uh, uh, going up against the uh, the uh, umpire there, uh, and uh, not the first time that he has uh, let his emotions run hot. Uh, you had the uh, uh, in some of the the brawls that have taken place. He uh, trying to find the, the guy's first uh, first name. Uh, but the game five of the uh, 1977 uh, ALCS, uh, he gets into a, a brawl there with a pitcher by the name of Nettles, uh, and that's another one of those uh, epic brawls that uh, uh, takes place. Uh, so this is a uh, a lively character on and off the the field, Mr. Royal, uh, incredible uh, player in his own right. I really think he gets the one MVP award in 1980-1979. 42 doubles, 20 triples in the modern era, 23 home runs while hitting 329, and stole 17 bases that year. I, I'm sure someone was very deserving of the award, but that is an incredible year. He leads the league in batting at the age of 37, 27, and 23. He's the only player ever to lead the league in batting in three different decades because that is 76, 80, and 90. I was able to dig up some of the last information uh, about it. What took place with that brawl uh, back in '77 uh, was, uh, you know, a whole different era of sliding into uh, bags, and so he's uh, in the the first inning. So this is the bottom of the first. He triples in in that inning, and as he's sliding hard into third base, uh, he ends up hurling a fist at Yankee third baseman Greg Nettles. <laughs> so he just has it up there to clock him as he's coming in, which, needless to say erupts into a wild brawl, uh, and uh, the scene ended in the strangest way possible. Nothing happened. Nobody was kicked out. Both sides dusted themselves off and, and played out the rest play ball. Of, of game five. That's right. You play some ball. You so, come in with a punch, who cares? You don't know how hard he hit him. <laughs> well, unfortunately uh, uh, for for Brett, uh, the uh, Yankees got the, uh, the better end of that. Royals lost 5-3. to three. Uh, in another uh, heartbreaking uh, postseason defeat. Uh, but, uh, yeah, some very uh, memorable moments in baseball and nostalgia uh, involve George Brett. That means we're sharing the number one here. So I mentioned it. George Brett goes one pick after Mike Schmidt in the second round of the 1971 draft, and that means that we're both going to have Mike Schmidt as our number one. 18 seasons all in Philadelphia. Leads the National League in home runs eight times, finishing with a career 548 home runs. 13 seasons over 30 and three over 40. So I don't remember who we were talking about, but one time I mentioned StatCast data. I would love to have had some StatCast exit velocities on Mike Schmidt, but unfortunately we couldn't see that. He's really underappreciated for his on-base percentage, retiring with a 380 on-base percentage. He leads the league in walks four times. Now, he was kind of a modern-era hitter in that he also struck out and led the league in that four times. So true three, three true outcomes, walks, Home runs, strikeouts, he would have fit in just fine. When it's all said and done, he's got 12 All-Star games, 10 gold gloves, three-time MVP, including a World Series MVP, 14 straight seasons of five-plus war. That is uh, impressive numbers from an advanced stats uh, standpoint. It's hard for someone to get one MVP or even a second one. When you're at the level of a three-time MVP, uh, it's Pretty much no question at the the level of your talent. Uh, we mentioned the, the home run uh, capability, eight home run uh, uh, crowns uh, as part of his uh, his numbers. Uh, someone uh, was mentioning like the only negative thing you can say about Mike Schmidt was uh, because of that uh, low batting average. 
His, his batting average wasn't that great. And Bill James was quoted as saying, if he had a higher average, he'd be the greatest player of all time. So there's no reason to argue at, at number one as the best third baseman of all time. If he had that other number, we're talking about best of all time, period. Uh, so still, uh, three-time MVP, uh, 12-time All-Star, 10 gold gloves. Uh, across the board, the, an all-around great uh, at, at third base. Uh, and uh, one last uh, note for you, going back to George Brett for a moment. Absolutely. I'm ready to hear it. Uh, you know, he's already one of four players to achieve that trifecta we talked about. Uh, 3,000 has 300 home runs and a 300 career batting average. There's one thing he couldn't do. Hit a home run off of Nolan Ryan in his entire career. Of, there's a lot of people who struggled with that. This is, this is true. <laughs> uh, but even uh, George Brett uh, never uh, got a chance to get a home run off of uh, a Nolan Ryan. Of course, he also wasn't punched out by him either, uh, so I figure you did okay. That's Wouldn't that have been a fight for the ages? George Brett versus Nolan Ryan? That Ooh. That that, that brings up some one. like that's some rude Neto door. Who did he knock in the face a few years ago? I don't remember, but that I'm sure that would have been a fight and a half. Some George Brett versus Nolan Ryan, but yeah, I don't think that he was the only person who couldn't hit George, Nolan Ryan. There's plenty of them that uh, struggled with that. <laughs> Just interesting over the same over careers that that mirrored or overlapped for a considerable amount. Normally, you at least get one especially when you're at that level. Mm-hmm. And that's just is, uh, one of the ones that's there. But like you said, no uh, no shame in not homering off of uh, Nolan Ryan. Well, that wraps up our uh, uh, Greatest of All Time series for third base. Uh, be sure to uh, stick around for later in the week. We'll have our second podcast coming out without technical difficulties, hopefully this, uh, this week. Sorry I came out late last week. It happens. And uh, we will be previewing the AL and NL Central as we talk about, especially in these areas, uh, the uh, what do we think of the Milwaukee Brewers uh, and uh, their shots at this upcoming season. I got a question for you for next week. Yeah. Are we doing left field or are we grouping them all together? You know, I, I think to uh, to appropriately do it, I think we're going to have to separate it out a little. Uh, yeah, I think so. Too. Otherwise, I'd need more than nine players. Yeah, there's just too many I think there's some left fielders who I can take a guess on. I'm thinking Ted Williams is going to be in your top nine. I, I haven't had a chance to dive into yeah, it yet. Yeah, maybe. You maybe. know, we'll have to see. Him is uh, the unusual, perhaps? <laughs> okay. So we have some uh, some excellent players for uh, for next week. We'll be looking at uh, left field and beginning, beginning our uh, look into the outfield overall. Uh, but again, later this week, we'll be coming out with our uh, preview for the upcoming season on the AL and NL Central, so be sure to stick around for that. Uh, Until then, he's Corey Peeper. I'm Dan Lewig. We'll catch you next time. 